Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia perfecta ex machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. On today's episode, episode 9, we present part 1 of a two-part roundtable on the Disoy Logoi project. As part of the department's regular brown bag series on teaching, a group of faculty members and graduate students gather to discuss the Disoy Logoi project, which we've touched upon in several previous episodes. To focus our discussion, we read the literally classic, anonymously authored Disologoi, an ancient Greek text that laid down the parameters of arguing both sides. The roundtable speakers are, in order of appearance, Paul Lynch, Jen Rust, Joya Urezi, Nathaniel Rivers, Ann Stiles, and Colton Bureau. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started then. Thank you all for coming. I thought um, it would be a good idea to look at the... Uh, actual text that inspired the assignment, the actual disologoi, uh, written anonymously around the, uh, as it says there, 403, 395 BCE. This is from the, this is the excerpt from the rhetorical tradition, Bazell and Herzberg, which is kind of the, probably the, the collection that set the kind of current rhetorical time. I mean, it's been critiqued multiple times, but it's still sort of, nothing's come along to replace it yet. Um, and this was a key text in the kind of recovery of the sophists that ha started happening really in the, I think, in the, as early as the 70s, but really picked up steam right in the in the 80s and 90s and among scholars in rhetoric and composition. So I thought it would be a good idea to just um, read this, since this is kind of the, the background of the, the basic structure of the assignment that we've created for 1900, um, a certain, and especially the first part on the good and bad when he's going back and forth about who, what is, you know, what's good for whom and under what circumstances. Um, so I guess as an opening question, um, well, maybe not an opening question. The other thing I noticed rereading it this time, because it's been a while since I've actually sat down and just reread it, um, is how much the, this text seems to be performing the, the very moves that he's talking about, kind of just rehearsing the arguments, which is kind of, I think, what we're going for in this assignment. Um, and it was far less relativist and, as a, than I remember it when I first read it and thought, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Right? Anything goes, right? Um, but it's a, lot, it's a lot more rigorous than I think I remember, remember. That's probably a reflection of what I was bringing to it more than what it actually says. But um, so I don't know. I'll just throw that out as some opening comments, and people can jump in and discuss their reactions, what they thought. It's longer than I remember, but uh, the type was smaller. It's right. probably a function of time, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, well, I was, I didn't read all of this section, but I read half of it. Um, and I, I, I wondered if it, to play like a devil's advocate, maybe a little bit like, because <laughs> part of me was thinking, maybe Plato had a <laughs> I mean, it, and, 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 and I, I want to bring it to, we can talk through this maybe, right. um, I wanted to bring it to a pedagogical situation um, because you mentioned the relativism of right, it. Right. And I, I do wonder at what point do we become Platonists in the classroom? Right. Uh, can every issue be argued? You know, so I was thinking 
child abuse. Well, sometimes it's good. Well, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I mean, at what point do you become played out? Absolutely. Again I mean, say, yeah. I we've talked I about this. Is, can yeah. I answer? Because yeah. I actually had a group, a set of students in my class dealing with child abuse. Okay. And they came to me with the exact same question. <laughs> They're not asking us to say child abuse is good, are you? I said, no. Right. But I'm saying, what is it about child abuse that you want to explore? And it turns out they were interested in multiple kinds of child abuse. And they hadn't even got to the stage where they were going to talk about what it's long-term. So basically, they decided to look at the long-term effects of child abuse from multiple angles. Right. And so theirs wasn't as clear-cut a sort of a pro and a con. But I said, just go for it. Yeah. And so they ended up writing... I think they sort of said the way they arranged it that their more important points were going to come first or something. Right. So they ended up saying, I think, that sexual abuse was probably one of the worst in terms of, uh, and then physical abuse was the least or something. Right. The argument wasn't as clear at the end when they turned it in as I'd have liked, but that, that's how they dealt with it, right. rather than looking at it as a good or a bad thing. Right. Okay. But is that really the spirit of the assignment? I don't know. I mean, again, I'm talking about well, obvious. my interpretation was that the um, you could look at it as not just a pro and con, but as an issue looked at from multiple angles. Right. So I think that's right. point to yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That we try to get out of that sort of simplistic. Because Jen, I mean, yeah. right before orientation mm -hmm. this year, of course, was uh, yeah. our president's infamous. Well, there are many. Oh, well, every week. Right. Well, there's something. Right. That's a chart. <laughs> but but there's a there's a a book. Um, that, that has influenced my thinking a lot called Many Sides, a Protagorean, it's a kind of a sophisticated take on argumentation. And, and it's called Many Sides. And when the president used the phrase, well, there are oh, many, many sides, sides. Right. Okay. in Charlottesville, I thought, okay, right, here's the outer limit of just what you're talking right. about. Right. Like, there, no, there aren't actually many sides, sides on this. Being a Nazi. Being a Nazi. <laughs> right, <laughs> or the Flat Earth Society or whatever, yeah. Although there are Nazis. I mean, I think it goes back to the pedagogical purpose. Right, that it, there's there's a value in making your own argument better by being able to make the other person's argument as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm right. We might all agree that objectively child abuse is bad, mm -hmm. but it, it objectively it happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So there must be conditions, perspectives, and arguments that result in it happening. So in many ways, a dissolvo is not about the students taking any side. Mm -hmm. But working through, so in many ways, one of the, as, as Paul writes in the description, right, the first value of the disologoi is you'll be better at arguing if you can imagine what all of the yes. mm -hmm. counter-arguments yeah. are, are for. Mm -hmm. um, so in part, I don't, I mean, I write, there's always the risk of relativism, although. Well, speaking of um, child abuse, um, philosopher Ian Hacking has written about, I mean, he doesn't ever say child abuse is good. He talks about it as like culturally situated. So yeah. well, I guess you could talk about it that way. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that's in the spirit of the assignment either. Well, that's in the spirit of what the sophist is saying and on the seemly and the shameful. Right. You know, right. I mean, it's right. like in Sparta, they do this. Right. And in Greece, they do this. And right. we don't do this in Greece, you know, right. which I thought was very interesting. So mm -hmm. they just, it's also, I forgot, tied to professions in interesting ways, right? Yeah. The, the, the shoe broken for you is bad for you, but good for the cobbler, right? So there's also a sense which you can, I mean, that almost makes sort of culturally situated, right? That, that for instance, we keep talking about child abuse, but right. I brought it up. That, so. that well, <laughs> like one can make the case that, that economically, child abuse is good for manufacture yeah. of, right? right? One could imagine <laughs> that that's. 
Right, so if one then wanted to counter, uh, argue against it, you'd have to recognize what activates it as a thing that happens. Well, I mean, he gives the example of a physician. What was the word they used for a physician in those days? Illness and disease are good, right? Mm -hmm. Right, their fees, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I don't, yeah, I mean, I was thinking if I were dealing with this in, like, to go back to the child abuse example, right. uh, I mean, I could see, you know, having arguments about, I mean, you know, like, this policy to address child right. abuse is good or bad? Right. Where, would that be safer territory to move it to? Rather yeah. than what an are they, absolute, like, the act surely, of child abuse. Right. It yeah. can be good sometimes. Right. Um, no, maybe, no, I think that's... Again, what they decided was that all forms of abuse were bad, but some were worse than others. Right. And that's we're not, but we're not also asking them to say that it's good. I mean, we're asking them yeah. to imagine someone else saying it's good. And so, for example, an argument could be made that, well, I just spanked him a few times. Physical abuse isn't a big deal. And then the argument could be made, well, yes, he's right. Uh, you know, if he'd sexually abused the kid, it would have been much worse. Right. Something, I mean, and, I and that kind of that kind of physical discipline, or I mean, well, it, I mean, that's a real cultural. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. real cultural divides. And on there's that, also right? a bit of evolution. Yeah, about what, like what's when I was in, in elementary school, people were getting beaten yeah. in school right. by the principal. Wow. Right. You know, yeah. so I didn't grow up in California. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Right. That happened in my school, too. Sure. Sure, my yeah. high school. Yeah. Right. When I was growing yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And so there's been an evolution. So now. But I think, you know, when we sent, I don't know if you, when we sent this, uh, last year mm -hmm. we sent it to colleagues in Madrid, and a, a, a colleague who looked at it said, because I think we were kicking around the idea of calling it the controversia, which is the Latin name for this this kind of thing in Renaissance rhetorical pedagogy, and and he said, "Well, are we going to get papers on Gandhi versus Goebbels? Because I really don't right. want to read those." And on the one hand, I like, no, no, we're probably not. <laughs> um, but I take the point that there's a way. I mean, the risk of this is there is a way in which, the, and I think Jen, it's what I hear you asking. And I think it's a fair question. The, the way in which, if you set something up as a controversy, do you? I mean, we see this in our media all the time: the false equivalence that there are two sides on, yeah. on various mm -hmm. issues, right? Mm -hmm. That there aren't two sides on certain issues. Right. Now, I, on the one hand, right, there's a risk that you run in stepping in and in, in allowing this sort of structure to go forward because it, it's you know you you offer the form. And you invite the sort of either-or response, which is kind of why I, I tried to revise my version of it to say there may be multiple sides mm -hmm. to the question, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to pick two. Not in fact, it's better if you don't reduce it to yes or no, yeah. um, if you can, right? Um, but yeah, to ahead. step in again, I think that's where what we do in the classroom comes in. I mean, this isn't an isolated assignment, right? You built up to it that's with right. various shorter assignments where you're getting them to see that there are various sources you can look at that will give you various in kinds of information on right. the issue. Right? Right. And so you might get some, you know, <clears throat> demented person saying something about abuse versus somebody who's uh, right. practicing psychiatrist. And then you meet them, at least the way it was set up. You have conferences with them where you can actually talk with them 
yeah. and sort of argue it back and forth. And all of those will actually eventually factor in, hopefully, into the finished product. Right. You look at drafts and things like that. So if you see that they're going in the direction where, you know, it's charging, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, you can sort of suggest, by the way, that's, you know, it's sort of not what this assignment was meant for. Anyway. Right. Well, I th and I think to take maybe a less fraught example, you know, it, let's let's take the, the there is no argument at this point, like, except in some cores, about whether or not climate change is happening, whether or not human beings are causing it. I could imagine a situation where you could say to a student who's who's convinced that it's not real or that it's overstated, right, saying to them, "Well, go research it, it and try to produce, in that case, both sides, right?" And if we and if we in that case, I think if we believe what we say we believe, that if you do the research in the credible places, the truth will out. You, I suppose you could imagine a student ideally sort of going out and saying, well, I can't prove the other case, or there's not enough there to prove the, I mean, child abuse is, is a particular kind of, right. But to say, I've done the research, I mean, you know, how often is it said, well, 99% of climate scientists believe it's happening, right? There is no real scientific controversy, right? Could you say to a student, all right, go go try to figure out where the science, if there's a if there's a controversy, right? Mm -hmm. Ideally, I mean, if we if we if we if we think it's true that it's been proved, then that student may you know end up proving it to themselves. Yeah. Right? On the other hand, I mean, yeah. you know, I, when I run into this way back when I taught social issues, that student could go to the Heartland Institute right. and find, you know, a right wing, you know, uh, you know, think tank that produces very right. credibly, credible, produced by PhDs. Right. Yeah, but, you know, but, um, but, but that, but how do you say to that? Because I had students working on like welfare reform and where do they go? Well, you know, you can go to, you know, Heritage Foundation and find stuff produced by PhDs that's going to argue these facts. And I mean, I don't know. I the, mean, the, is the that thing okay? Is, I, I don't think do there's that? anything wrong with them going and doing that, so long as you put somewhere in your guidelines that that isn't the only source you can use. Right. You know, and that you have to be able to have sources that look like this and without telling them they, you know, you don't say it has to be directed in a certain ideological bent, but you say it has to be written by a scholar, an expert, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you say, well, this is what this source is saying, and this is what this source is saying. And your job in this assignment is to look at both of them, not just that one source that right. sort of lines up with, with your argument. They may still line up in that direction. But, but then they fail the assignment. Yeah. For picking us, I mean, yeah, because you're so supposed to not be able to, I mean, right. that's part of the guideline, right? Right, you're not to supposed try to. to tell as the instructor, which of the positions they just they're yeah they they're not making it yeah. right they're inhabiting oh, you mean other for this particular arguments. assignment yeah. I guess I'm thinking ahead to like a proposal and right. yeah I mean for this particular assignment I, I guess I I don't know I wish I was more confident like you were that that they would come to the right well no I mean not the goldiest assignment though yeah well yeah, there's the, the right. assignment I mean, and then there's like how right. do they process right you know what's what their it, literacy yeah. I wonder how much of it is a matter of setting up the assignment in a way which, um, so when I was looking, the article was very useful, particularly after the fact, because I was thinking more um, of the Ratio Studio and the, the, the disputations that occur, right? Right, right. Which mm -hmm. is where you have two students sort of debating, typically in an ethical framework, 
But within that, there was always a sense of sort of three options. You had multiple sides, but there was also a matter of tenability, right? Because there were some positions that the instructor would have to step in and go, you just can't argue that. Um, and so, at least in the way in which I've, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but on the first day of class, we talked about like, we're gonna be looking at the different ways in which people are approaching questions, but some, some positions are just untenable, right? Mm -hmm. The person who's gonna say like, well, child abuse is okay. And you go, that, I, I don't. Yeah. Now, what occurs in those, uh, and, and that was what I was trying to explain, which I, I just had to step away to explain, which maybe I didn't do quite well enough, but it falls under a central question in where we're talking cross paths, right? Where if the center is child abuse, I'm not asking the student to prove to me that child abuse is good or bad, but when you're dealing with this, what are the right. different yes. approaches yes. by that's which right. we yes. are able yeah. to yeah. go? That's that's right. Right. And so it's, that's the ethical That there are going to be disputes about right. treatment or disputes right. about diagnosis. Right, or exactly. Disputes about to go yeah. back to the... Yeah. And if I could give another example, yeah. so, because mine was social justice and all of that, so hate crimes, is I focused on Charlottesville, I used the MLA thing. Right. And so one group actually did stick just with hate crimes. And so I said, so how are you going to do this so they started out thinking that they could decisively prove, and I found this out only after I met them in groups, that hate crimes had surged upwards since the last election. And what they found out to their surprise is that you can't prove that. You know, that yes, they may have gone up, but you know, it's a, there's a lot of variation in terms of who's collecting. So I said, so what are you gonna do now? So they said, we're gonna look at um, various kinds of hate and whether the hate crimes that involve religion have gone up more than the hate crimes against, say, the LGBTQ or whatever. Right, right. So that's how they approached it. They, yeah. they said that we're not going to say hate crimes yeah. are good versus... And I did a silly thing in class. I stood in front of the class and I said, okay, pretend I'm two people. And I'm saying, yay, hate crimes are bad. Yay, hate crimes are good. And they all yeah. looked at me as if I was crazy. Right. And I said, yeah. well, you know, the point is that I'm trying to say you don't come into class and make the argument hate crimes are good. Right, yeah. right. So, right. But think... what you want to do is take the issue of hate crimes and see what particular angles bring right. that you can look at. But, and how wonderful, Joy, that they did research and found out like they, their position right. wasn't tenable, yeah. right? Isn't that what we hope for? Like that yeah. you actually, I, I looked it up. I guess I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? So I mean, that's... So their concluding was, and I only found this out after reading it, is that we can't prove that it's increased. However, what we can prove is that there is possibly a little bit of evidence to say it's a religious hate crime that's like gone up. Okay. But I said, so that's fine. That sounds so how did that play out in this so what they did was they presented arguments. Uh, they did a, they did a sort of pro con, right? That it has gone up and it hasn't gone up. Right. And their conclusion was oh, I see. that you can't okay. prove it one you way. You can't prove it one way or the other. And that's the spirit of the assignment. Is. So that's so, not really Jake, an ethical question. That's not necessarily, but it's more of a question. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you can't. Right. If you if you want to avoid the kind of right, our hate crimes okay, right? <laughs> I mean, by definition. <laughs> I mean, the name right. itself right. would suggest they're not right. <laughs> We could do, right? Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go back to yeah. the climate change, I mean, for me, too, what's useful is to imagine the student who has the right perspective, right? right. The student who wouldn't go to disprove it, but has to then inhabit the argument of someone who does. Right. So that they're better at what's arguing good? for it, because some evidence suggests that the fact that 99% well, we, of science believe it appears not to be the Trump card people think it is when right. it comes yeah. to persuading people, right. right? So there's also the value of making someone there was that, who thinks it's happening 
argue that it isn't. Right. So that they can inhabit that. So, I mean, again, right, that's, I mean, I guess, right, there's the question of, I don't think that, I think what reigns that in from relativism is that the goal of the assignment is in part to make them better at arguing. And so make them argue that position, right? Go to all the websites where those where people go to get that kind of thing. Right. Right. So I mean, so that would be the See I guess not the, the counterexample, but right. So we're imagining a student who, by virtue of the disologoi, goes further into climate change denial. Right? right. Well they would just fail the assignment for I know that you right, I've read your disologoi and I know that you think it's a hoax. So Right. Way, I know you came to the conclusion you already wanted to come to. You failed the assignment. Right. Um, so you do were, an absolute standard. You right. Were, Here's yes. what the disologo is. Right. right. Here's the page-long rubric. But I think so. I mean, you, when, you weren't relativist enough, and I'm failing you on this objective standard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So for me, it still gets to the question of. I mean, again, right. And part of the disologo is they're actually not. They are not as students making any of these arguments. Right. They're inhabiting arguments mm -hmm. other people are making. Right. Which okay. is why. So for me, that's the. Yeah. And in fact, that's why a related problem came up that we don't need to discuss today, but the issue I had with it was that whole issue of voice, you know, because they were making them inhabit these arguments, basically, except for a few groups that said at the end things like, well, it can't be proven one way or the other. They put on this very artificial kind of voice, which ended up irritating me <laughs> as yeah. I was reading, because it was very wordy and, yeah. and sort of unclear. Yeah. And so yeah. I was telling them that, you know, I mean, it's, I guess it may, may, may be just that possibly a few more assignments. Yeah, well, this, uh, it's Jen's point too, at writing their way into, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's part yeah. of why this assignment so fruitful See, I think is, that's good. It's yeah. so hard to do because they'll end up using, like, I mean, to talk about what I was talking about in class today, we talked about word choice the whole time. Yes. Because word choice will be a tell, right? If you use a term that one side uses, but you use it across the disologoi, you've, you've inadvertently You've conceded, you're using right. you're using the voice of the opposition to describe right. that position, right? So I, you know that kind of thing, right? If you use, um, so it's kind of that. But anyways, yeah. it's it's the basic kind of academic move that's the huge struggle, right? How do you? Yeah. And there's ways in which that can be negotiated. I, was, I, I see that as a good thing. Actually, I mean, even the writing is not always felicitous, but right. they are inhabiting. Yeah, I mean, to the Awkwardly extent the too. assignment. I mean, the whole class is asking yeah. to write their way into being academic writers and using academic discourse, which is not a place where they, you know, are comfortable right when they're first starting. So, so I think that's even though it might be irritating to read. Yeah, it can be very. I mean, I can't tell you. It's a trap that we pulled on. We do. Oh yeah, the whole thing's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. I think I said that word to know this summer is totally a trap. It's totally a trap. I wanted to go back to the standards point yeah. about climate change because you said it, and, and I think this is something that's great about this reading yeah. um, and the sophists in general is yeah. that destabilization of ontology. What right. is it? Right. What yeah. is climate change? Right. right. You know, I mean, is it because it? Yeah, scientists, ninety-nine scientists agree that it happened, but do right. they agree on it? it. Yeah. And yeah. what it looks like? I no, mean, and that then that's so the way that I do this assignment to help maybe answer this question is I is I actually don't have them take different perspectives because I'm doing the technology, media, mm -hmm. and rhetoric. So they identify a practice and then look at how three different technologies structure that human practice. And the one thing I hit them with today is I even drew it on the board, right, that, that what they'll do is they'll imagine, so I use like dating, right, and so they'll put dating and then how does a, an online application versus a mobile phone application versus a speed dating scenario 
right? And said the risk that you'll take is that you'll imagine that you know what dating is, and then you'll look at how an app does it, how, and what I want you to do, the ontological question is, mm -hmm. you don't know what dating is. Mm -hmm. How, not how does an app get people to date? How does that app define what dating is? So at the end, you don't have three perspectives on dating, you have three versions of dating. Mm -hmm. That are each constructed by particular media or technology. Right, right. So, in fact, precisely what it does is, I don't want three different takes on dating because if you start this assignment already knowing what dating is, right. the game's already up. Right. Because you've already taken a perspective. You you don't know you've taken it because you think you've just defined it. But that definition is itself already. So I imagine mm -hmm. that right, you're not doing three perspectives on one thing. You're generating three different versions of whatever mm -hmm. it is the practice you're looking at. Mm -hmm. right. And that I think right to get to the climate change would be right. The hate crime thing would be right. You could have an argument having gone up, but like what could constitutes I, a hate crime? Because there are legal debates right. about right. should we even have that as a thing? Is it, because right. are you punishing? Right, you, you already go to jail for beating somebody up. Right, right. Put you in jail for why you beat them up. About, right, right. So that then, so what you would do is right. Rather than three perspectives on hate crimes, you'd have three arguments about the ontology of it. One of which would be none. We shouldn't have. Right, right. So I think that's still at an ethical register, but it's less is this thing good or bad. It's actually what are three different ways of producing that thing about which we then argue. Right. Right, and and um, also hate crime too is a media media thing. Like right. hate on Twitter right. isn't necessarily hate. Right, you know, right. Posters right. I put up in the bathroom or yeah. whatever on campus. Right. But I, as soon as you said that, I realized, yeah, I spent forty minutes in class. Basically, it was dissolving at the level of ontology. Right? Yeah. If you already presume the object, there's a sense in which you're already right. not you're not really getting in this assignment. That's right. Yeah, well, that's right. That's what Gorgias or whoever says. Or, yeah. But I think that's probably a little scary uh, questions. Yes. It, because right. they're arguing about yeah, things that and they don't really know where right. they're going with it. To go back to your right, not only they're, they're learning their way to write academically, they're having to learn to write academically while also taking three separate ontological exactly. positions that are maybe mutually exclusive. Yeah. And they're 18. It's a fun and so ends part one. Join us next week for the exciting conclusion. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Nathaniel Rivers, at nathaniel.rivers at slu.edu. Perfected ex machina.